Hello there. I've seen you walk by our alley before. Probably on your way to some objectively inferior podcast. So why don't you do something different? Come into our dark alley. Listen to our podcast. You might actually learn something. Be entertained. Or make a few friends on the way. With no further ado, I'm John. I'm Caden. And I'm Josh. And this is the Dark, the Dark Alley, Alley Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Let's go. All right, let's start. So, first topic: How did we first become creative? <laughs> you want to uh, take the reins, Josh? Okay. Yeah, but mine's actually a weird uh, story. So, um. I mean, technically, it's, it's, there's a few ways you could technically, you know, like, obviously, I did uh, stuff as a kid, like, I was in the school choir, you could kind of consider that creative, um, and stuff like that, but really, when it first started, like, officially, I guess, is, um, in one of, I used to play, you know, wrestling games, um, you know, games on wrestling, and one of the games had, a, like, this mode where you could create your own stories in it, Um so I used to make stories in that, and I did that for years. And then I got my first phone then in 2014. And with my phone, I realized that, you know, now it has, you know, all these apps on that I can write in. And I thought, oh, well, I can kind of continue what I was doing in the in the, vi- in the video games, <laughs> but, you know, in, in writing now, like that. Um, so, yeah, and that's, uh, yeah, and I started writing like that. And, I mean, yeah, that's it. So... Yeah, it's a weird origin story, but uh, yeah, that's how, how I started, I guess, technically. Oh, that's cool. I used to watch my friend play wrestling games all the time. And I say watch my friend play games because my thing, I, instead of playing games, I like to watch people play games. Um, and, you know, he would always, uh, my biggest wrestling game memory is like making those signs that say, hi, mom, and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's super interesting. What about you, Caden? Um, I mean, basically, I think it's pretty simple. I just, from what I can remember, I just remember liking, um, liking stories. I think probably around like the time I had first read like a Harry Potter novel and just sort of reading fantasy novels and stuff. And I, I mean, I was young, like probably between five and seven. And then I just wanted to like write some of my own. So I started with fan fiction and would just like journal in a little notebook and my mom would get me notebooks and I would just take it wherever I went. And for, to me, that was just normal writing stories that popped in my head. And ever since then, I mean, I've still had that in me. It's just only blossomed with time. Ah, oh, super cool. Thank you. I, that's interesting because I, I technically started with fan fiction too. But I remember like, I wrote a story basically about, basically about like a, you know, a self-insert. It was pretty much uh, going to the South Park universe. And at the time, I never viewed that as fan fiction. And I only realized years later, like, oh, yeah, that's that's fan fiction. That's what people do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. What are you, John? Um, me, personally, uh, two different things. I, I wrote a lot in school. I would always uh, write stories. I'd... I found myself liking poetry at a really young age. Um, My mom always tells me about this book. She's like, you need to be a writer. You need to be a writer. She always tells me about this book that I actually had published at my elementary school because I won a contest. Um, Wow. Yeah. And so like I could never, you know, really remember the title of it. So I can't like, I don't, you know, it might be one of those things where, you know, a kid wins and they scrap the book forever. So I don't know if I'm, you know, a technically published author, but as like a six-year-old, I was. <laughs> um, Peaked early. Yeah, exactly. Um, but my main source of inspiration and what made me want to get, uh, just pursue being a creative in life is cartoons. I loved Nickelodeon and I had always wanted to act on Nickelodeon or write shows for them because I just loved their silliness. And I love yeah. that they really could do anything. Like Rock was Modern Life, if you remember, are familiar. Like their brains popped out of their heads all the time. And I just yeah. thought that was just so funny. Um, so it started off with writing little bits here and there. And then 
I got really inspired by like Nickelodeon, like that whole '90s Nickelodeon atmosphere. I actually relate to that a lot as well because one the first major thing I guess I ever wrote was um, something like heavily inspired by Futurama. Um, <sighs> cool. And obviously the South Park one too as well. So yeah, so I kind of started in a similar way. Yeah. Um, but did we have more to say on the topic? Just genuine question. Uh, I guess the only other, only other thing was the reason I transitioned from uh, from writing in wrestling games of all things to uh, to to the, the mobile was because um, you know you always had to pick out of uh, pre-selected scenes and stuff like that. Um, and I always wanted to write science fiction things. Um, and I would often work around it, kind of, by uh, like you know, using my imagination and pretending that this this wrestling ring was actually like in space or some shit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, that's why I loved the writing. Uh, loved having my phone, you know, first ever phone, smartphone, uh, because you know it allowed me to write absolutely anything. Now you know I wasn't just restricted to use my imagination to pretend, you know, time traveling or whatever. So yeah. That's funny. You could you could actually turn your wrestler's skin green and stuff too, right? Yeah, that's that's actually what why one of the things that made it work so well was the the wrestling games, hands down, are some of the best uh, creation tools ever. Like in terms of character creation and things, and you could also customize arenas. So you could actually definitely push it to, to its limit. You know, like I remember writing a story about like uh like is these three wrestlers who were like bottom of you know bottom of the barrel, really never doing much, and I. You know, put them in like a epic sci-fi story where they go back in time and accidentally cause John Cena to not exist, and you know, so WWE never existed. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> I would do shit like that. Um, so I really, yeah, pushed it to its limit. But uh, yeah, you could do some stuff with it. But yeah, transitioning to proper writing was uh, was nice. That's really cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I um, something that got me uh, into being creative at a later age was actually um, we had free time in high school in our English class. And we always had the option to share what we wrote. If we wanted to write, we could write, read, but it had to be like quiet free time. And uh, I would always a hundred percent share what I wrote. And I used to have a whole book of things that I wrote, but I lost it somewhere. But I remember getting such a positive reaction every time I would share. And it just made me want to always do it. Yeah. That's that's a great point, actually. I, I can't believe I never told you guys this, but the, what the the thing too that made me see it as more than just a personal thing I did to just myself was, you know, in English we would have to write stories and share them to the class. And uh, I remember we had to write a story, uh, you know, with the writing prompt of music. So I made a story about how I knew Eminem before he blew up. Um, <laughs> and oh, sure. I was saying then I had to re- read it in front of the class and. Um, and that, that that got like a huge applause, like, uh, you know, yeah, huge applause. So that really, as well, kind of, I think that's the moment where I realized, oh, I could actually do this as more than just a personal thing for fun. Oh, How so old cool. were you then? Um, what was it like that was in college, like UK college. Um, so I was like sixteen-ish, maybe sixteen, seventeen, somewhere on there. When you said everyone was applauding, I imagined like confetti dropping from the ceiling. <laughs> they were, lifted you up on their shoulders. <laughs> uh, it wasn't quite that, but it was it was nice anyway. Josh, Josh, Josh. <laughs> then Eminem came in. Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing was Josh Bray. Yeah, because yeah. the thing is, one of the major the scenes was, you know, when, you know, Eminem hung himself or tried to hang hang himself after Infinite failed. So I had that as a story element as well. So that uh, wait, did he actually try to hang himself? I thought he like tried to take some sleeping pills or something. I don't know if it was. I swear, I'm, I swear, I read hanging hanging himself. I don't know, whatever. You might be right. But that's yeah, I think it was hanging himself, and like, if I don't know, yeah. But either way, it was part of my story anyway, so and it went over well, so I'll take it. <laughs> the Dark Alley podcast where we always inevitably end up talking about Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's... You made it maybe five minutes. Steer away. <laughs> so what inspires us and in our biggest inspiration? Do you want to go first? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, what inspires me is just knowing, like, what kind of reactions I've gotten in the past. You know, I don't want to sound narcissistic or anything, but, like, my own personal accomplishments are kind of what inspires me. And I, I am a very impressionable person, so, like, you know, I, I like to rap and make music, so, like, if I listen to Eminem a lot, I'll write a lot of stuff that kind of sounds like him, or if I listen to Childish Gambino a lot, I'll end up taking on like his vibes, you know, and kind of using it uh, with my own personal experiences. And, um, and yeah, like I just, I kind of just take, take the vibes I get and I'm a very like emotionally driven person. So like whatever I feel, I tend to write towards it's whether it's in the style of someone else or just straight up me. Um, The more and more I do it, the more and more I feel like it's more me and less inspired by someone else. Something I I put a lot of work into with YouTube is trying to develop my own style, you know? Yeah. How about you, Josh? Uh, So I kind of take the question in two different ways. I take it as what inspires me in terms of, like, uh, you know, what I strive for. And also just what inspires me, like, um, you know, like to keep, like what inspires me in terms of what gives me ideas and that kind of thing. Um, so in terms of uh, what gives me, like whenever I'm like, you know, I have writer's block or whatever, I always, uh, you know, just watch like my favorite, like uh, show, uh, song, whatever, album. Uh, and that, I find that always gives me like so many ideas and uh, and whatnot. Um, in terms of what inspires me, uh, just in a general sense, like what you were talking about, um, it's really, I just, you know, I just love the craft. And so I would love to, you know, be cemented as someone who, uh, you know, who's respected for what they've done with the craft, you know, uh, you know, for respected for being a, you know, a great writer and, and all these different things. So I'm yeah. So you know, I really what inspires me is that motivation to to get respect for my work. You know. Yeah, yeah for sure. But basically, I think I think we all echo the sentiment of like learning from other creatives and other artists that are working with the same medium we're dealing with at that specific time, whether that be rappers that in- influence us with our raps, or novelists with books, directors with movies. So I, I definitely, I'm just, I mean, I'm in the same camp. So I'm in, in agreement with you guys that usually hearing, often hearing music or sometimes watching movies will give me ideas. Or actually a lot of times I'll get ideas from real life now that I think about it. Like having conversations with people or seeing stuff in the news, you know. I feel like it just, there's a lot of things in life you can pull from and just kind of always having your eyes open, if you will, allows for this breeding ground for creativity, I would say. Good point, yeah. It's weird, I actually don't seem to draw from real life as much. I am always more just pulling from other people's, you know, from, from other creative ideas and that kind of thing. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Since you say that, it'd be really uh, interesting one day in the future to get something completely Josh-inspired. Yeah. Um, cause like I said, I think it's cause I'm so into the, the craft side of it, you know, the, the craft of like, uh, you know, I don't know, like joke structure and the storytelling and stuff like that. So I guess that's why I draw more from, from that side rather than real life per se. And also because I love sci-fi as well, which is kind of hard to pull from real life, I guess. Yeah. Are yeah. you, are you, um, are you a very organized person, Josh? Oh yeah, definitely. I, uh. I like I have everything organized. I remember once in like again college, uh, I had like my Google Drive open or whatever it was, and a teacher lamented like, "Oh wow, you're really organized and and everything." So yeah, I'm I'm super like orga- yeah, very organizational. Yeah. Oh, Says nice. the guy who got the time wrong tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so in America, this is kind of off topic, but in America, we, obviously, we have Area Fifty One, and that's like in real life sci-fi stuff. Do you have anything like that over in the UK? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I played, 
Yeah, play this game, just destroy all humans. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a mission in that where, like, it deals with, like, uh, it's set in, in London, I think, in somewhere in England. Um, and it bas- basically, yeah, basically from that, I, I knew, I learned that there was, like, in, like, the 60s, there was a lot of conspiracies about, like, some sort of secret British parliament or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we do. I'm not super familiar with that kind of stuff, but I guess we do, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, I gotta look into that. Hey, Caden, are you getting out of the car? Uh, does this sound like I'm getting out? <laughs> yeah, um, a little bit. <laughs> it does, yeah. No, it's because I pulled off the freeway. So I'm actually, I'm about a mile away from her house, so probably. Literally drove off the freeway, now he's just going over <laughs> the rural area. Yeah, exactly. Smashing it down trees. become very rural. Now there are a bunch of trees instead of cars and pavement. North by Northwest style, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, nine till noon is creative space. Nine till noon. I don't know why I said that. So on topic, what what the hell's the topic? Yeah. Are we still are delegator? We, are we still tackling on the same topic or what, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we're done, right? Uh, did we? Yeah, I yeah, think that's pretty much it. We're done tackling bras. I think that made him self-destruct. <laughs> no, no, no. This isn't the centerpiece. Or is it? Maybe I got my times wrong. Outline our creative processes. That's the that's the centerpiece. All right. So the centerpiece is us. Outlining our creative processes, if uh, that cut out on the recording. I think we should break this down via stages. So, like, talk about how planning, uh, and we kind of we kind of talked about how we come with ideas and stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess maybe like break it down to planning, then writing, then any like you know, editing, for example, break it down like that. So, um, so I guess. Well, to start with ideas, how do you guys, once you've thought of an idea, do you guys just keep that in your head or do you write that down? And like, how do you guys do it? I personally have to write it down or I'll forget it. Like I have to write it down and I have to write a little bit of context with it as well. I have a text conversation with myself and I've had that for years and years. And it just, all it has in it is like blurbs, like nothing in there makes sense. But I always have like a little like, what is this kind of section in there too? <laughs> so I always take a little bit, like for writing rhymes, for example, like I'll write things that rhyme and then it'll make no sense, but I'll expand on that later. So I jot it down there and then I take it somewhere else later and expand on it. When I have an idea, I will always, usually I'll have like a general video idea and then oftentimes I'll think of ideas and uh, you know, ideas for the videos, and I'll just, you know, and then I'll just drop them down, like, in brackets next to the title. Um, so, you know, basically, you know, so oftentimes I'll just flesh out an idea over the course of over the course of time, and then when it comes to then creating a video or, or a story, um, then I'll usually, you know, have this, you know, pretty nicely fleshed out idea by that point, and then I'll use that a lot of the time. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's nothing I pretty much covers on and then is it pretty easy from there? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, usually by that point, because usually I always go with ideas that I've already fleshed out. Um, you know, I have, you already have some nice stuff uh, thought up and stuff. And it's nice as well because then you can kind of play off yourself as well because sometimes I'll, like, look back on an idea I thought of months ago and then realize, oh, yeah, and you, this is also cool because this, and, you know, so basically I'll start expanding on ideas I already had ages ago as well, you know. So it really leads to, like, a nice setup, I feel. You know, because so you know, then as well, you avoid ever running out of uh, things. I guess essentially, you know, like I've got like just just folder uh, file filled with ideas um, and stuff. So yeah, so it, it works nicely because I'm never ever have to worry about uh, not having you know, ironically, because I'm fucking up the sentence, but I never have much, <laughs> you know, never have to worry about having anything not having anything to say then, you know, because I've fleshed out this idea over the course of usually weeks or maybe even months 
Yeah, definitely. It'd be really cool to get a peek in there. I know that's super personal. I'm not asking for that, but you know, like when, when people like die, like it'd be cool to like just open up that vault and just see what comes out. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd honestly love to show that, but I love the, I love the mystery element behind releasing a video. You know, like I don't like, uh, you know, if I told you what ideas I had and then, you know, I like, you know, I just like it, you know, going into your feed and then it popping up that, oh, this, this idea. I feel like if I told you beforehand, it wouldn't be as cool, I guess. Yeah, there'd be an expectation behind it then. I, I guess so, yeah. Like, it needs to be like this. Like, like I've been trying not to tell you guys anything about Exhale, just because, like, I don't want the expectation to, you know, not be lived up to. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. too. Like, um, like, for example, like, uh, with uh, song leaks. Like, once a certain song leaks, people expect the entire album to take that direction then. <laughs> Okay. Um, generally, when I was younger, I kept ideas in my head. Um, well, actually, that sounds weird to say no, because when actually when I was very young, I used I wrote when I was okay. So when I was like probably a baby, obviously I wasn't writing, <laughs> right? But then <laughs> I don't know, man. I saw baby geniuses. <laughs> so then I, but then I went through another phase where obviously I still had ideas flowing in, but I think I was like kind of embarrassed to write or whatever. So. I didn't write for a year. Um, this is probably like a conversation for another time. But then I started. Then I no. Then I started writing again. But I guess g- generally, I would say my basic process now is an idea will come to me, and then I'll try and visualize. I think what works best for me is if I can flesh out the narrative. Um, like if I understand the ending and the beginning generally then it's fun for me to fill in all the little spaces in between and that's kind of this guy sid field who's like who wrote kind of what's like one considered one of the bibles of screenwriting he says that um no you're ending then you're beginning then plot point one and two but Mm. basically i i try and understand where i'm going with it with an idea or a character and then just let it flow from there sort of like a causal uh back and forth cause and effect Basically, my basic process now is I'll have ideas in my head. I'll have the basic plotting in my head, and then I'll write it out. And that's essentially how I work nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, because it's always that debate of, like, are you someone who just it flows, or are, you some, or are you a plotter, someone who plans it out by stage? So it seems we all seem to fall in that camp of uh, outlining first. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone shares, obviously a bit of both like um or some percentage of both no one's 100 percent and zero of the other so when it comes to creative processes i used to actually just keep them all in my head when i was a kid um i mean i know i mentioned writing down in a notebook so i think i think i originally had them in my head but then um at some point like i picked up the pen and paper and just used to write and write and write and then i went through a phase where kind of was i guess embarrassed or ashamed to be known as like oh this kid's into creative writing so i stopped for years then i got back into it and now i would say my process is i i feel like it's still evolving but generally i think my best work lately has been when i listen to music and i kind of have like maybe an idea of character or plot in my head i listen to music let's say a specific song and i kind of let that evoke certain images in my head and I kind of I think the important part is I understand the ending and the beginning um, which is Sid Field this guy he wrote this book called Screenplay it's a great book but he mentions that um, like knowing your beginning and then knowing your ending then your beginning and then plot point one and two so I think as long as I know where I'm going in my head I kind of just then I can sit down and start writing and I usually just write like a chain of events that are cause and effect starting from the beginning all the way working to the end so i kind of fill in that huge middle portion um on the fly but i generally have an idea for where it wants to go like the main character some other characters perhaps and then obviously how it starts but i've noticed i do kind of like starting from the end which is kind of a weird thing maybe but i do really like knowing the end so i think that's generally how i work lately very similar. I like to uh, I always have outline the main points, I guess, and then all the in between stuff. And like also, I, I, one thing I notice as well is like sometimes the themes of the of the creation sometimes won't immediately connect with me until I'm you know writing it. 
Um, so, mm. you know, like, for example, when I wrote my, my dog shit novel, um, like, huh. I didn't figure out the themes for that necessarily until, like, chapter 10. When, when I was able to look over the first 10 chapters, that's when I then was able to see, oh, yeah, this, can't, this is lean, leaning toward the theme of this. So that's how I, you know, tied into that then. Did you know like where the novel, where you wanted to end up with the novel when you started, though? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like the main uh, plot points, like the beginning, middle, end, maybe like specific scenes and a general character arc and that kind of thing. Um, I did have that planned out, but then like just like extra themes and uh, like little you know, nuances to to the story and characters were stuff I just kind of developed and learned pretty much as I went along. And I got yeah. to know the world I was creating and characters and everything. So, you know, a mixture of both styles, I guess, in a way, but like heavily outlining first. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone has to um, have some of both, you know, um, like have a percentage of, like, you can't be, what is it, like, some terms were like, you can't be 100% a gardener that just like plants the seed and watches it grow and you just fly by the seat of your pants. But you can't also be 100% the architect that plots out every single thing so that by the time they write there's like no writing needed to be done um i think everyone works with somewhat of a per some percentage of both of each one interesting um off topic but not it, can you expand on that gardener reference oh yeah someone mentioned it on reddit basically they said and i know george martin wrote the uh Game of Thrones books. I forget what the if that's even the name for the series, or that's just one of the books. But anyway, yeah. he's still working on one of them. I think it's like on the sixth book now. And he's known for being what they would say like a, a pure gardener when it comes to writing. So he does not like plan out anything, plot out any plot points, any character arcs, nothing. He just literally goes in. Um, and he, like they say, gardener because they. It's like the gardener, the writer plants the seed, and then they watch it grow. And oh. like they have no idea what 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 the plant's going to look like in its final form. They just let it go, whatever way their pen takes them. And it's kind of crazy because, and he's even said this, or his team, I guess people around him have said this, that when you work like a hundred percent, like just like a gardener, not plotting out anything, like the revision process is insane. Obviously, because you have to like fix and edit so many inconsistencies or just things that are that need fixing that wouldn't be there as much if you plot it obviously i think Almost... that's why i gravitate towards the outlining because as we'll we'll get to hands down my least favorite part in terms of writing is the editing process and um, so uh, so it, it's already like pretty bad if you're outlining something you know these tons of revisions or whatnot i can't imagine making that even worse you know so i think that's why i gravitate towards outlining that's kind of a nice transition, unless you guys wanted to talk more about the way we outlined. Well, I think other thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, the how did we develop our writing styles? We kind of already have, have kind of segued into that a bit already, but uh, yeah, let's specific. just let it flow. Still. Yeah. Uh, so did you guys have like a specific way you developed writing style, or was it just a case of just continuously practicing and just kind of picking up uh, what was and wasn't working. John, do you want to talk? Um, yeah, I mean, my writing style, I, um, I'm very feeling-oriented. So I'll, uh, you know, I, like, I'll write a song about rain, so I'll write a bunch of, you know, more dark adjectives or, like, you know, the the precipitation, the uh, the, the wetness from it the puddles like I'll, I'll i'm more of like a feeler you know um yeah. and if i'm writing a short story that happens to be silly for example i always draw inspiration from um that old school nickelodeon pool that i i, I like to go back to and uh they they were very random and very silly and I, I was like my main source of inspiration for that so it's like if i if i for example want to write a story about some guy going to the market in a short story written by me, he's never just going to walk down the street and get to the market. There's going to be like a, a sinkhole filled with ghostly cacti or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's going to have to figure out a way to get around that. And that'll be the first part of my short story. 
And he's going to be like, yeah. dang it, all I wanted was some cornbread. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so I, I have a really, like, um, I don't know, I don't I want to say, like, chaotic, but I don't think I follow any linear set of rules when it comes to outlining. Mm. In terms of developing my writing process, one thing I really was trying to, uh, was working on figuring out was trying to find, uh, you know, because I'm someone who loves uh obviously like infusing elements of comedy and stuff into my stuff so a big part of developing my voice and writing style was trying to figure out the balance of of you know serious comedy analytical uh all that kind of thing um i was really interested because my first few videos i actually like were very kind of just made up stuff as i went along like you know in terms of again referring uh referring to specific game events and stuff but then uh you know, from that, I then kind of honed in more on the craft side of it, and that you know the the nuances of of you know delivering a line. It's it's kind of hard to explain because there's so many like little decisions you kind of make as you go along. Mm-hmm. But uh, like for example, instead of um like the, like the example I gave was how I noticed a lot of my favorite like YouTubers and stuff uh really nail that the idea of show them tell in the sense that for example. Instead of saying, "Oh, this game mechanic is is terrible," they'll show it by showing them trying to use the game mechanic, but getting progressively more pissed off at it, and that you know gives the impression, still gives the impression that this game play, gameplay mechanic sucks, but it's doing right. it in a more entertaining way, and that really uh, helped evolve my you know once I you know did that and kind of analyzed what they did and kind of applied it to my style. That's what really led to a big evolution in my style, and I know it's actually. My my writing improved dra- you know dramatically when I tried these different mediums like YouTube compared to when I was just doing uh you know fiction writing for example. Yeah, the show versus tell thing is something they really pound in you uh, at college. I had a creative a bunch of creative writing courses I took, and they would all say that. So I I heavily relate to that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think, yeah, they definitely pound that into you for a reason. Um, I mean, which I think we're all in agreement with, but it's just, it's so much better when a piece of work respects its audience enough to not have to uh, pander to like the lowest common denominator and just the show the information visually and you put the pieces together in your head. I think that's a big part of it because when you're just telling so much, it leads to so much exposition that makes you feel like you're talking down and trying to over-explain everything. Yeah, and I think it really, well, especially for film, but really for anything too. I mean, video games, novels, but film especially, just it. I don't know, like almost kind of feel like it like tarnishes the medium or it like changes the medium because film, like film by definition as Sid Field would say to bring him up again, he says a screenplay or he says the film is basically a story told with pictures. And mm-hmm. I think that's right on the money. Essentially. Yeah. I mean, the very first motion picture camera was like a, operated by a crank. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. just flashed a bunch of pictures in front of you over, you know, like a, like a flip book. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that kind of covers that. <laughs> so what is our least... Josh, you you started something interesting. We're, I guess, segueing to our least favorite part of the process. Josh, you mentioned editing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, for me, it's kind of two sides to it for me. In terms of just pure writing, like if I'm just writing a story, uh, editing is the least favorite part for me. Um, and I guess, and for the YouTube, it's like more for the, the game collection side, uh, the footage collection side. Um, you know, I have to get specific shots to go with whatever I'm saying. Um, I guess I mentioned both of them together because they're both, I think the reason they're both so, like, my least favorite part for me is because um, they're kind of the uh, more restrictive parts, I guess, in the sense that, um, you know, when you're writing a story, you can just, you know, go wherever with it. Whereas, uh, but, you know, basically with, with editing and stuff, it's just more of the more technical side, which is uh, it's quite boring to me, you know, like, um, you know, having to check all I didn't make any grammar mistakes and and uh, stuff like that. You know, it's just it's less. You know, it's it's no longer using the imagination side that it makes creation so fun. It's just more 
the boring technical side, which is why that's my least favorite part. Yeah. John, what's yours? My least favorite part of the creative process um, historically has been being uh, getting criticism. Not like, not like, oh, this is shit, but like presenting something to someone and having them look over it and then giving you so much feedback, it makes you feel like you didn't do a good job at all. Or, or they're like, well, you need to work on this, this, and this. Um, and I'm like, you know, I, I, you know, I think it's creatives. I think we all kind of have an ego about our work. So yeah, I remember at um, one of my creative writing classes, I guess I was just like really petty about this uh, feedback I got. It was a, a story about a skeleton joining a camp, like a, like a bunch of campers around a bonfire. And the skeleton was like dug up by a camper that, you know, they found it earlier in the day. And then the, the skeleton like put on a fake mustache and joined them at the campsite. And everyone was like, whoa, we've never seen this skeleton before, you know? And like, there's a lot of things that didn't make sense, but that's what I was doing on purpose. But like my, my, my instructor was like, he gave me all this feedback and he was like, this doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't anyone think the skeleton was who he was just because he had a mustache on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, That's so, pretty, yeah. yeah it's, so I, I went back and I revised it and pointed out everything. I was like, well, it's a mustache because that's just, you know, it was his disguise. And historically in, uh, in like old old cartoons that, you know, Bugs Bunny would put on a dress and I would and no one would know it was Bugs Bunny. You know, it was, some, you know, <laughs> some other entity. And so I explained everything. And my professor the next day was like, yeah, I need to talk to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, yeah, it's really difficult because it's pretty much to me like a balance. It's like kind of like that balance between uh, objectiveness and subjectiveness. Uh, shout out to Box again. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> because, um, you know, it's always a case to, you know, there's some things like, you know, for example, someone gave me uh, advice, like on one of my videos, uh, I accidentally put the the gain on my microphone too high. And, you know, like that, I learned from that and improved my videos. But there's some stuff where it's more of a preference thing. Uh, so, like, mm-hmm. for example, if you, you know, like some people would just prefer like a very serious video, you know, very serious documentary, whereas someone like myself prefers that to be infused with some comedy. Um, but, you know, it's very difficult to walk that line between, uh, you know, someone just not liking your style and your style being bad. Uh, so it's difficult to try and, you know, it's, it can be kind of a thing to, you know, figure out, okay, is my style just generally bad or do I just happen to, this person just happened to not click on my style? Yeah, I mean, I remember in that class, they, um, a bunch of other students had short stories about, like, you know, this this girl battling depression and then this other person was, like, working at a, a soup kitchen and so it was like all like dark tone type stuff and then my dumbass short story <laughs> thrown in that's... the middle of it all you know <laughs> yeah yeah huh. that's yeah that's something that bugs me like especially with science fiction nowadays uh some like most science fiction is like really dark and moody and everything and it seems that any like actual light-hearted stuff like star trek for example uh you know shows that are, like star trek in tone uh, a kind of shunned more in a way because uh, you know dark moody stuff is seen as more mature I guess and stuff like that and so yeah it's an annoying phenomenon to me yeah it's like a reason that like comedy doesn't really have uh, any recognition at the Oscars yeah, yeah that is interesting and same with animation as well animation is always shafted in that respect it's always you know, animation is always seen as like a kids thing for some reason Mm-hmm. There's such depth in a lot of animation, and I just, I, I just shake my head and bite my tongue when I hear people just trashing it. It's like, oh, it's just for kids. Why are you watching a cartoon? It's like, no, not really. It's not like you, know, you, can, you can. That's a whole different podcast topic right there. Yeah, like one thing I know I saw on Twitter recently was uh, like you know Eric Cartman from South Park. Yeah. I saw people saying that like South Park promotes anti-Semitism because Cartman's always saying, "Oh, you know, you stupid Jew and everything." Like that's the whole point. Cartman's a bad guy. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> we've seen to really lost uh, nuance in a way with creativity now. Like I know now so many, you know, any show with like so many characters like that, people always don't see it as that character being bad. They view it as the show endorsing these views. Right. And that's that's something that really bugs me and something I've noticed has kind of, you know, increased in a way, you know, with social media and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you would argue that we should separate art from the artist? That's not necessarily... Like, what I'm saying is, like, people are viewing, you know, Cartman, for example, as, like, the creators, like, you know, that as them using Cartman to share their views, completely overlooking the fact that Cartman is always portrayed as the bad guy. Yeah, that's just okay, his yeah. character. Yeah. Exactly, but yeah. That's not but necessarily the views of Matt and Trey. Okay, it's especially music, yeah. because I believe Matt Stone is Jewish, so... <laughs> Mm. Uh, you know, I, I doubt he's going to be anti-Semitic. You know, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of gone off topic a bit when you have a bit of a tangent, but it's it, interesting, like you know, spring off point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think tangents can be interesting to listen to for sure. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Caden? With your least favorite, as long as you don't talk about Eminem. Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> there it is. Uh... <laughs> Our least, my least favorite part of the process. Uh, well, when Josh said editing, I definitely um, relate to that. I kind of am peeved by editing, or kind of low key like afraid of it and don't want to go there. <laughs> but um, as far as like least favorite part, what I can think of, and I think this does get better with time. But th- I mentioned this in the chat last week or two, is dealing handling the gap between. Uh, the story and characters that are in your head and the story and characters that end up coming out on the page. I think I would say struggling with that gap is my least favorite part because I feel like for people, everything is perfect in their head. But then once you get it down on paper, you see how flawed it is. Your inner critic comes out and bashes it very easily. And it's just like grappling with that to me is sometimes, I don't know, exhausting and like mind numbing. Yeah, that's the... I like that thought a lot, yeah, because like a lot of all these characters we've spent, you know, probably possibly even months, you know, fleshing out in our head all the little nuances of them. So then trying to kind of present that can be a, a yeah, can be a, a task because it's difficult to talk because when you want to show like their defining traits but avoid like, you know, them being a caricature and then you know, you got to manage that element of, you know, how, how you know, what pace do you uh, slowly s- slow all the different sides of their character without it seeming too abrupt and that kind of thing. It's definitely mm-hmm. a lot to it that you need to manage and work out. Yeah, and unless they're like actually like a godly being, like they're not going to be perfect, but in your head they're like this great character, but they have to be flawed in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I think also like then, specific... Sorry, yeah. Oh, I just okay. want to say that kind yeah, of... I think... Um, yes, <laughs> go on, yeah, you, you say it. <laughs> right, you want me to go? Okay. Um, I think, no, specifically, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I mentioned characters, obviously, and you guys jumped on, which I agree. I think also specifically a notable example I noticed for me personally, um, I can think of at least one example of something I wrote. Uh, but I noticed I definitely, that gap is pronounced, like it's quite pronounced when it comes to action scenes, at least for me, especially screenplay which maybe should be easier but it's like i can like visualize some like let's say violent uh, sounds bad but like some some sort of action going on in my head within the story but when i go to write it it's it's so hard to make sure it reads as exciting as it is in my head like, that's really tough 100 yeah that's especially the case with novels and you know short stories and whatnot because you know without that visual element it's even harder because uh you know like what sounds really amazing in your head it can just be really boring to read that's why often with novels uh fight scenes usually just focus more on the thoughts of the characters rather than uh the actual fighting it's just yeah it's a difficult balance i think as well it just kind of ties back to what i was saying just then as well in regards to uh how like yeah, it seems to be we seem to be losing nuance. Uh, like you know, like uh, you know, it's like when we're talking about fleshing out characters. It's it seems we seem to be losing nuance in the sense that like, um, like you know, people perceive uh, a character like a face value nowadays rather than exploring that nuance. 
I had a question when you were first talking about um, putting your par your characters from your head uh, down onto the page, but it slipped my mind. Like I was going to ask, like, were you talking about um, like you have an image of your character? Are you are you talking about getting that character onto the page just the way it is in your head? Like, is it a is it a problem of transferring it? Or is it a problem of giving your character flaws and seeing a 360 view of that character? Um, I would say transferring it. Okay. Like meaning meaning whatever I see in my head, especially for screenwriting. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm still struggling with like prose and all writing or short stories rather. But especially for like screenwriting, like when I guess novels too. But when you when you read like a line or a paragraph. It's the best writing would be you can immediately like conjure up your own image of it or just conjure up an image of it rather. Um, like it should read very visual for scripts. So yeah. it's like in my head, I can see that visual about making the words that I put on paper as true to that as possible. And I mean, there's literally what <laughs> probably a million, millions of combinations of words you can choose for that. But it's about choosing the right ones. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that. Um, sometimes when I'm writing, I have the perfect image in my head, but my, my fingers, my hand can't write it down quick enough. And I get, I get almost flustered because of it. Cause I just want to like zap it onto the page just the way it is in my head. <laughs> but yeah. like my, my mind goes too quickly. And then sometimes I end up losing a lot of thoughts. Right. With the, with YouTube, it's kind of the other way around because I'll often like have like a sequence planned out in my head, which uh, like I love in my head. But then trying to find the exact gameplay footage which presents that well uh, is is really difficult because there's so many games and you know so many parts you have to find specific parts of, and it can be a really that can be a you know problem. That's gonna be fun. You said you hate uh, gathering all the visuals for your. Yeah. See, that's one of the reasons why I—that's my least favorite part of the uh, the video making process. Yeah, I, I would. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think I'd have fun doing that, but it's probably really tedious. Yeah, it it, it fluctuates. So, like, some sequences are really fun, and when, and it's so satisfying when you find like a perfect shot for it. But then there's also parts where you are trying to find like a really just you know where there's not. You know, there's a part where you, there's not really much to work with, so you just have to find like a mundane shot. But just trying to find that specific thing is is difficult. So yeah. So what do you think makes us want to keep going even when we feel discouraged? Uh, well, for, for <laughs> what I found really helped for me is when I started on YouTube. Um, like I, for the first few videos, I was really like focused on like oh, yeah, obviously you know like, uh, views and comments and that kind of stuff. And if I, it led to me just if, if feeling like a chore and me just really not having fun with it. So what I focused more on was the craft side of things. And I believe I mentioned this earlier, but um, but like uh, you know, for example, like improving myself. So like I say, you know, like improving the writing and uh, every video I'd always try and do one or two things new from an edit editing perspective. So I'd always be developing as a writer, editor, etc. And I found when I focused on that, not only did it lead to me getting better and me having fun with it, but it then of course led to my videos becoming more popular because they were come becoming better. So I find when, so I find when you just focus more on the, you know, get really get into the love of the craft and everything, that's when it really, like that's what keeps me going is, uh, you know, when I'm feeling down is, you know, that side of it because, uh, you know, it's, it's you feel so good when you when you're good at something. And yeah, yeah. And that's that really that's what makes it work for me. So let's see what what keeps me going, even when I feel discouraged. Um, I think. And I honestly, I don't even know if this is like my final answer for this, but right now the mind is sort of like a fatalistic, inevitable mindset, meaning that I feel like at the end of the day, no matter what, whether I'm broke or I'm rich or I'm living in LA or I'm living on the other side of the world, no matter what, I'm going to have a drive to want to tell stories. Like that's like been one of the first things I've had since I was a kid. So it's almost like inevitable to me. Like, no matter how shitty I am at it, or could be at it, whatever, no matter what variables are at play, that, that constant of wanting to tell stories and characters will always be there. So it's like, it's kind of like, well, I, this, I didn't even choose this life, you know, it kind of chose me. 
it's inevitable. That's awesome. Yeah, I relate to that. So would you say you're a more uh, introspective writer? Or like you said, you like to work with characters. Would you call that extrospective? What do you mean by like introspective writer? Like an introspective writer, like writing about yourself. Oh, um, no, I mean, well, it's interesting you bring that up because I think, and I've, I think there's been various psychologists that have said this, which I kind of agree with, that in every piece of work that a writer produces, there's somewhat of him or herself in it. So with that being said, I think it's inevitable that maybe parts of my personality or parts of my life experiences will spill out into everything I do, even if it's just like little things here and there. But overall, that's not something I consciously generally think about. Once in a while, I will be like, oh, I don't have a character that, I don't know, has this mannerism I have or something. But generally, for the most part, I don't really think like that. I try and come up with creative uh, new ideas. That's interesting. You bring up the um, you know every piece of writing someone puts out is has some kind of reflection of themselves. It makes me think like, what the hell is up with Stephen King? You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, say with me, uh, I definitely, I definitely, yeah, I'd say like a lot of the like the the way I portray a world and stuff is often filtered. I would say it's filtered through my worldview. Um, obviously, if like if I'm you know, around a specific character, I'll, uh, you know, filter through their worldview. But like I said, in terms of like, you know, often, like for example, if I'm like presenting like a, you know, a dark alley or something, um, I'll always often like infuse, present that in, like at, with elements of humor because that's how like I naturally view, you know, I have a dark sense of humor. So I, I kind of filter through that. So I, and obviously themes and stuff as well, like, I, often my, my thoughts on something. So, so yeah, I definitely uh, have parts of me in it in that sense. Yeah. Do you find? Do you guys like question for both of you? Do you guys think? Because I started thinking about this. Do you ever find yourself like literally pulling from like I don't know? Think of like a friend, a friend of yours that you might have. For both of you. Do you ever literally? Would you ever do something like literally put that person's name in your stories? Like their no. name or the, the, who they are as a person, like what they've done? Um, Both. I, either or. I, I wouldn't. Because uh, one of the most fun parts to me is uh, developing original characters and exploring them and seeing what they become and that kind of thing. Because uh, I think, you know, one of the reasons I enjoy creating things is kind of that escapism element, you know, that, you know, taking myself to these these other worlds and whatnot. Um so I think you know, so incorporating characters, which uh, you know, well, people that I know, I feel I would kind of take it out, take take it out of it for me, and also kind of limit my creativity as well, because I like you know, with these original characters, I can do whatever I want with them. Whereas I feel if I'm you know, writing with a real person, it would kind of, I would kind of always be thinking about what would they do, and I feel that would limit me. Yeah, you'd almost be working with like a color by numbers at that point. Yeah. Um, I. I I think that would be an interesting um, exercise. I don't know if I would really run with the idea and flesh it out into this full-on work, but I think it'd be a good like writing exercise to like you know pick pick a friend of yours and make them go somewhere in your story, and then try to see what they would do. You know, try to be their eyes, try to be in their shoes for like a chapter. I don't know, it just. It's an interesting angle to look at it. It's a different way. But overall, yeah. I do uh, agree with you, Josh. I, I much rather create something original. Um, I to think. Be clear, though, or what were you going to say? I was going to say, um, I, I think, like, you know, certain names, like, you know, I would use a name that I. It's like, hey, like, I know someone named Caden, for example. I might just like that name and want to use it and have it nothing to do with you, Caden. <laughs> Right, Funny right. you say that because I'm the opposite. I actually almost every character I use, I always use a name that uh, of like they have a name that I don't know anyone of, or at least I'm close to in real life. Because again, that would just remind me of real life, and I I feel I would just start writing them, you know. See, that's where I feel like um, I disagree with that because, um, and maybe I should have been more precise. But what I'm saying is, I'm not, and maybe for you this is different. But what I am saying is 
I was talking about just using like little tidbits. Like, oh, let's say I have a friend named Jesse. Let me just put name this character Jesse, but it doesn't mean he has to have the characteristics of real life Jesse. Or let's say I know, I don't know, let's say I had a professor that used to always eat Kit Kat on their break. Then maybe, oh, I'll have a character that likes to eat Oreos on break. I just mean little drawing from little mm. things like that, not necessarily. But that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though, is I think if I did that, I would then just subconsciously associate <clears throat> that name with them. So I would just end up writing them, you know. OK, I see I see pluses and minuses for both of your guys's uh, outlooks on that, because I think like I read I read director trivia uh, all the time for different movies that I enjoy. And I'm like, oh, cool. They put that character in there because that's what their teacher did when they were little. You know, I was like, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, but, you know, I do see your side, Josh, too. Uh, it's cool when it can it can appear as it, it's seamless and it's like not in your face. Like, yeah, if that teacher's like organic. Yeah, exactly. If that teacher's name is Mr. Richardson, then I don't know, maybe don't name that teacher in the movie or whatever mr richardson but you know the same type of traits you can exhibit and it'd be like a nice little fun fact it's like if you if that teacher of that whoever gave you that push that you needed to become this person that you are it's like hey it's a nice little hat tip to that person in a way yeah i do like it in that sense it's like cameos and like minor characters i think it would be fun in that sense it's just like my main uh, main characters. It's just oh, I don't like to do it. Right, like you wouldn't take that character and give them an entire journey. Like I like, yeah, like it to always be <clears throat> completely original and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, that I understand. Yeah. Sure. We had some. We that was a nice little nice little discussion in the alley. I'd say. Yeah. Some homeless yeah, people. Josh even mentioned a dark alley. Yeah, yeah I, I worked that in there. Yeah. Some homeless people walked by and we we shook their hands and kept talking. That was cool. We have coronavirus. I'm sure we Too do. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> Too soon. It's this. It's it's now. <laughs> Let me go wash my hands. <laughs> the pandemic is happening now. <laughs> um. Uh, I I think my response to the question at hand is. You know, no matter what happens, like, kind of like what you were saying, Caden, is I, I know that's something I'll always have, whether I'm rich or poor. Um, but, you know, a lot of my life, like I haven't really felt like a specific direction that I, I'm like headed in. And, you know, every day I work to, to correct that every day I, I work to get better on myself. But no matter where I'm at in the journey. I always have this pen and paper that I can do whatever I want with it. And it, it just, it, it gives yeah. me so much satisfaction and it's, it's definitely defined who I am up to this point in my life. And there's no doubt that it's going to define who I am for my entire life. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's my answer. I think that was a great answer. Thank you, sir. Welcome. Going off to what John said, I I guess I also just like it because, um, you know, you said you said about that that aimless element. I feel that's probably a reason why I gravitate towards it too, is because I think it's uh I like having always having something you know, that I can always be improving on and whatnot. You know, like I said, I love the craft side of it, so I always ha always having something I know it can be improving on uh, from you know that from that side of the of the brain, I guess you know the imagination side and the writing side and everything uh, that's also something i really like about it yeah and you know like mm -hmm. friends come and go relationships come and go even family members die you know sadly enough but like you always have this right in front of you whenever you need it and even if there's an audience for it if there's not an audience who cares you know you're getting your own personal satisfaction out of it and that's why we do it in the first place yeah. yes you put yeah. Hell yeah. So, uh, our last topic is where would we like to see ourselves creatively in five years? Hmm. I think in five years, 
personally, I would really like to have Exhale obviously done. I'd like to have my album Exhale finished. I'd like to have Paper Wraps finished. Uh, and I'd like to have Princess Potato finished, those three albums of mine. And also, um, I would I would like... It would be great to get some kind of recognition for something I do. <laughs> uh, whether that's local or worldwide. It doesn't matter to me. I just... I really want to just be able to continue to, to create. And... I want to continuously challenge myself. So like, I don't know. It's been since 2015 since I released my last album. In some kind of way, I did feel bored with it. And so maybe it, I, I need something new to push myself further. So maybe after these you know planned records that I have in the pipeline, I'll want to do something completely different. I've always wanted to write a book. And I also, I actually had like, I have like a whole story in my head that I, I used to have this notepad full of ideas, which I don't know where it is anymore. So it would be a whole new story if I started it over. But I, I'd, I'd love to write a book. Um, so I don't know, in five years, I just, I hope I'm way more productive than I am now. Um, I feel like I have a problem with consistency, productivity, and procrastination. And I'd love to just be really fine-tuned um, you know, going back to a point I made just now, you know, really, it doesn't matter if I get recognition. Like, I just want to be able to be content with what I'm working on and just knowing that I'm just happy with it. I just want to be happy with it. And like, if I go to the, if I go to the movies and see a story, I'm like, damn, that's good. That inspired me. I just always want to be able to be inspired. And side note, something that I find really funny is whenever I come up with an idea, if I let that idea sit for a year, for six months, I always end up seeing that idea somewhere else. So like, for example, I always wanted to make a song called Autumn Leaves. And I put out an album called Rugrat X. I was on break at work years ago. I was flipping through, I don't know, Apple Music or whatever. And... I see that Chris Brown put out a song called Autumn Leaves on an album called X. And I was like, what the hell, Chris Brown? (laughs) Wow. It it, it never fails to happen. My ideas get used somewhere. So I'm always like, dude, if I had the platform, I would make the best ideas worldwide. (laughs) Because obviously (laughs) other people are doing them too. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I, I relate to uh, kind of both your points there. So for me, in terms of the recognition side, I kind of, I'm very ambitious with it, maybe overly so. But I picked a scenario where, for example, on Reddit, people are discussing their top five, you know, of whatever craft. And I want to be in a situation where when I'm not mentioned in the list, everyone's knee-jerk reaction is, oh, why didn't you include this guy in your list? Nice. You know, like for example, when people talk about top five rappers, you know, if someone doesn't include Tupac or Biggie, everyone's knee jerk reaction is, oh, "Why didn't you include these two? I want that for whatever I'm doing, you know, for YouTube right now, for example." Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, on the other side of that, I'd also just, I love to, you know, I've talked to you guys before about how uh, I have so many different creative things I want to do. So I'm, I also relate to you, John, in the sense that. I would just love to be exploring loads of different creative things, you know. So I'd love to have like multiple successful YouTube channels, uh, like maybe you know, a novel released, uh, maybe like you know actually doing something with my blog, uh, you know, just you know just releasing all these creative things, maybe streaming too. I just really want to explore so many different creative avenues, and uh, even if I don't get that recognition side, just constantly exploring the craft and improving myself in that regard is something I. Uh, really hope i uh i do yeah i i really agree with that um i agree with both of you especially on the i guess you both mentioned what john was mentioning more about like exploring and constantly like challenging yourself and then yeah, exactly. uh, josh you were mentioning um, 
just like constantly honing your craft in other words and i totally agree with that something we all strive for um i guess my so with that being said that's part of the conversation and part of it uh the other part of it i guess the simple answer to the question where i would like to see myself creatively in five years basically i mean pretty much what you guys said but i guess the simple answer is um just more output and some level of recognition so yeah it definitely sums it up well yeah more of a portfolio i mean obviously talking about five years uh so obviously more of a portfolio um novels and screenplays i would say at this point um and then also yeah i just have some level of recognition or at least some people who are who i am with or maybe being involved in some sort of circles where i feel i guess respected or that i'm i'm doing something satisfactory and that has a purpose which is i think generally what people want like any human wants yeah definitely um you know shout out to my friend prophet ghost tonight he got up on stage and rapped some at a local bar and that's that's so amazing and that's something i would really like to do too you know i want to be like confident i want to i want to get more confidence in everything too right well, Tim's out of sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, it does. All right. Do we have any more points to hit? That was it. So, well, that was episode two of the Dark Alley podcast. Caden, I believe you have something to say. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening.